Go. This episode of the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast is brought to you by Conversations About Freedom podcast, hosted by Moral Bob. Also, check us out on at uh, patreon.com forward slash punk rock libertarians. We put out a ton of exclusive content there. Hello, I'm Matt Bergman, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians Podcast, episode 269. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. What up, guys? Philip Dassing. What's up, Pony Soldiers? Alexis Schlegel. Hello, COVID comrades. <laughs> and uh yeah we're very excited we got on uh a, 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 a hero of ours uh dave smith comedian dave smith is on the program tonight and you guys need to get better heroes oh so yeah dave uh, yeah we're just like totally excited about you coming on here tonight um we also put out in our group, we asked a lot of people like, hey, what do you want us to ask Dave Smith? You know, and then, uh, of course, we, we all we have our own questions as well. So uh, there's some things on my mind. Like, what are you doing right now? Like coronavirus during the quarantine? Are you like drinking more? I'm just uh, I'm making out with strangers. I just want to get the antibodies up. So I'm just stopping people on the street, <laughs> licking them down. Get that hurt. I'm going. I'm going the opposite. Yeah, I'm. I'm running in the opposite direction. <laughs> nice. uh, no, I'm just. I'm fucking laying low. I'm hanging out with my family a bunch and kind of isolating a little bit. But it's. It's kind of been a good excuse uh, to just have a lot of family time. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're all probably experiencing uh, a lot more family time right now. Um, I, I just. I heard earlier that apparently, like a lot of car insurance companies are like dropping people's rates by like twenty five percent because nobody's driving. Hmm. Did anybody else hear about that? No. Makes yeah, sense I got. I, yeah, I got a letter. Uh, I have USAA. I got a letter. Um, I don't know. They're like reducing my premium like twenty five percent the next two three months or something. So nice. Or the the rate whatever. But yeah. Well, it has. It really has been interesting though uh, in this whole thing to see like you know the the beautiful ways that the market actually does work even in crazy situations like this. And I hadn't heard about that. But that's just kind of one more like little interesting thing that I never would have thought of or predicted. But that's uh, that's really cool. And like it's it's a uh, there's there's a lot of things like that going on where little companies are finding these kind of innovative ways to stay alive or to help people out in these these times. And I do enjoy hearing about that. Yeah, uh, perhaps some of these like innovations that are being made right now will stay in place after, you know, coronavirus, you know, so it it could be a blessing in some ways yeah well i think a lot of us are trying to find some silver lining to this yeah. uh this whole craziness so i that that would be nice yeah right. like could i still get beer delivered or like cocktails <laughs> delivered from bars or is that going to continue are they gonna is baltimore city police going to stop arresting like for marijuana or prostitution you know that's Dude, I always love the way the cops uh, uh, like inform the public that they're going to stop busting people for small crimes. Like they're always really broken up. They're like, guys, this thing is bad. We're uh, <laughs> we're not going to be able to club you over the head for pot anymore. I'm sorry. Bummer. We'll get back to it as soon as we can. And you're like, you, you guys could just we could just do this forever. That would be fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think I read earlier that uh, like 28 people have been arrested in Maryland so far for violating uh, the quarantine order. Wow. Yeah. What counties? Were, do you know, do you recall what counties those were in? No, I, I just saw like 28 people, and I think like the cops were called like over a thousand times. It, it sounds like it's a lot of Karens like reporting their neighbors. Yeah, we're on Karen overload now. Yeah. <laughs> Karen's yeah, the Karens, too. the Karens might be creepier than the state. I like I really oh, that's is. that's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot uh, through this whole thing. It's like, wow, that really is. That's the fucking real problem is the Karens. It's not even the state, because as I'm sure all of you guys have thought about and, and spoken about before, it's like the state really is completely outnumbered. Mm -hmm. If it if it's not for the Karens, 
we could just like break free of these shackles tomorrow but there's way too many people who are just thrilled with all of this like they get some weird psychological thing like they get into the authoritarianism mm -hmm. and they're like hey how can i get on board with that shit how can i help yeah, well, I mean, my theory is it's kind of like my, my theory is definitely like this is the type of people who would like instinctively go towards the state and run for local office these authoritarians and this is just kind of their way of subverting that process and they can just do it from their couch and snitch on people and get people in trouble and yeah, they're no, fixed that way. Right. Well, most of them don't even fucking have the talent to run for local office or even whatever talent that takes. Like they're even below that. You know what I mean? Uh, so but they wish they could like that's that's kind of their fantasy. But what they will do in reality is be is snitch out and Frank in their bait in their attic or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like, I was going to say yeah. I was going to say at the risk of sounding hyperbolic. I mean, you know, it was the citizens that were calling the Gestapo, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't there wasn't enough yeah. of them to like patrol every single house and check every single house every day. It Dude, was their neighbors reporting them. Whether it's fucking Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union, it's with the shit that's going on in North Korea today. It's one of the uh, yeah. like the things that they they like instill in people is to rat out anybody who's disobedient to the state because right. the state can never actually like totalitarianism just from the state is something that can never be achieved. Right. They have to like brain fuck people into thinking that they want to be on this side too and that's the only way they ever actually lock down a society and you see it here right like they could never catch every single person who violates a shelter in place law right. unless you had a society full of karens <laughs> yep karens were responsible for the holocaust <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> uh, so did you um i heard you you so you normally live in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you're now like out in New Jersey somewhere, right? Yeah, that's right. I I came out. I actually came somewhat unrelated. My uh my wife's uh grandfather was was ill, and so we came out here. But it just happened to be like right when everything was going down because she wanted to be with her mother, and then all the craziness started happening in New York. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just like hang here for a week and see how crazy this thing gets. Yeah. And that was like almost four weeks ago. Wow. That was fortuitous. <laughs> yeah, it kind of worked out. Yeah. 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 I've noticed that, uh, you know, then now the content you're putting out isn't coming from your studio. It's you're just like somewhere else You're, I guess where you are, where you are. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at my in-laws. Uh, but it's, it's once, once things started getting a little bit sketchy, you know, I got a young daughter and, and a yeah. wife to take care of and things in New York city seemed a little bit sketchy. And honestly, it wasn't really like the virus itself that I was concerned with. I was concerned with supermarket shelves getting bare, mm. uh, the natives getting restless, cops cracking down, things like that. So yeah, I was the, like, you know what? Karens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I was like, I want to be in a house. I want to stock this. I, I spent like a few thousand dollars on groceries. I got food like out the ass. I got the uh, the means to defend that food. You uh, got all the and, snacks. Yes, exactly. And I don't forget I just the felt, snacks. <laughs> I felt a little more a little more comfortable uh, in that situation. Dude, uh, congrats, by the way. Like I caught your uh, appearance on uh, Jimmy Dore's podcast. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that was like so awesome. And then when you had him on your show, th that was that was amazing as well. I, I feel like you did a really good job uh, reaching out to the left. Yeah, I despite all the uh, left libertarians who think I'm a Nazi sympathizer, I uh, <laughs> I do a better a better job than them of reaching out to the left-wing audiences um which, you know, whatever, that's kind of petty. But uh I um you know, I I think particularly right now it's it's a really good idea for for us to talk to as many people as possible. I know there's too too many times and I'm I'm sure I'm guilty of this too, but the liberty movement is um, it's it's big enough that a lot of people like us can kind of exist in it and find our little niche in it but if we're only talking to a very small group we're not going to you know have any real impact and right now like shit is not a joke we're looking at a threat of real deal fascism like you like on on a different level than we've been used to and if there's some like principled guy on the left like Jimmy Dore who's anti-war anti-police brutality anti-corporate bailouts i'm like i think that's a good a good starting point to be like hey let's let's focus on what we agree on 
Yeah, uh, most definitely. Um, and I, I guess the, maybe perhaps the reason why you're so good at reaching out to the left is, I mean, you're from New York City, right? So, I mean, you're probably used to being surrounded by lefties. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm from New York. I'm a fucking, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jew as much as I try to run from it. Uh, I, I'm, so is Jared. Uh, I feel you, dude. Jared, Jared's my Jew card. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I was raised by a single mother. I was raised in in a pretty atheist agnostic household i was you know so it's like i i culturally can speak their language i'm of the left i i understand the the mindset of right wing equals bad cold-hearted person and um so it, I, I guess maybe although truthfully i i think i've actually persuaded more people from the right than i have from the left which i i never would have guessed but that's just kind of how it's worked out but you know, I feel like there's a lot of things if you like it was always like just my instincts to if you're going to approach somebody either from the left or the right and you're a libertarian, it's easy to start with the, the areas like the best of them and you, try you to pull know it your to audience. Us. Yeah, but it's also like, you know, we, we're in this weird position. Uh, Scott Horton uh, uh, said this before, and I thought it was so, like, perfectly said, where he was like, you know, the truth about libertarians is that we're better liberals than the liberals, and we're better conservatives than the conservatives. Like, on the yeah, issues that on. they're the best on, we're better than them. Like, oh, these the liberals say that they care about, like, civil liberties and, you know, locking people up for nonviolent crimes and being anti-war. And we're we're better on those issues, you know. And then conservatives claim they want to conserve the Bill of Rights and they, they believe in free market capitalism. And we're better than that. So we have a, an, an obvious strategy of how to talk to any of them. And, 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 you know, so I just try to establish that it's like, I'm not trying to get you to abandon your identity. I'm telling you that your identity should lead you to us. And so, okay, you're, you're, you're already a libertarian. So just, now, of course, that's not completely true, but if we you're can, your if, yeah, if, if you, if you can reach a few of them, then that's something. Dave, how did you become a libertarian growing up in New York? What, I was, what, I, what, what was your awakening? How I, I was a Ron Paul uh, child. I, okay. I, I was just a, a average, you know, kind of ignorant left wing person. You know, I didn't I wasn't super political. And I saw Ron Paul in the debate against Giuliani. And I saw that and it just like blew my mind. I was like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> that guy is really yeah. interesting. And then I was like, let me check him out a little bit more. And the more I checked out, the more I had to check out other people who he had mentioned. And then Google searches led me to this and that. And then I found the Mises Institute and started reading Rothbard. And I don't know, everything's been kind of a haze since then. I've just been, <laughs> I fell down the rabbit hole. Bergman knows all about hazes. <laughs> So what came first? Did uh, comedy come first or libertarianism? Or I was already I, I was in stand up already. I, I started stand up like early 2006. Uh, okay. And then I found Ron Paul late 2007. So I was like a, about two years in, in stand up. But then it also took me probably a year and a half, two years to really be converted to libertarianism like I, I was interested in it and exploring it but it took me a little while to like dive in so i was already doing comedy um and and working my way through the new york scene and then libertarianism just came along and then the two melded and i became the, like the great superstar that i am today like how long was it how long was it do you think before like libertarianism like became like a uh, aspect of your act that just kind of happened like it just i it was never anything i planned or or like sat down and was like well how do i work this into my act i just got obsessed with austrian economics and libertarian philosophy and i was like f just obsessed with reading about it and learning all these different things and then eventually just because that's what i was obsessed with it started you know i started thinking of funny things about it and you know that's like like if if, if some stand up comedian you know just got really obsessed with like scuba diving I'm sure they'd have a joke or two about that, you know, like, and so that's just kind of how it happened. And then it kind of started working into this area where it gave me like, when it comes to a uh, radical anarchist, libertarian, Austrian economic comedians, it turns out I'm the only game in town. <laughs> so I, it was I like, it. So strange. Dude, uh, is it, like, right. So it's like, like, what about I Chris Cantwell, this... dude? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he could have. That's the His real. That's that's the real beauty in Cantwell's turn is he was my only comp and he got out of the way so he moved you know uh, but I did you a monopoly so now people understand now people understand why I'm so friendly with him it's just like so thank wait, you dude. Dude. so wait so Cantwell might spin this and say it was a Jewish conspiracy against him get him no. out of the way right wait am I not being clear here he's right about everything okay uh, that's what I'm trying to explain to you people. <laughs> Well, that's the podcast, folks. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, that was a joke before it appears on a meme somewhere in some fucking Facebook page yeah. with 12 people. That was a joke. I was making that's how jokes work. That's going to be up in Kyle's oh, tomorrow. Oh, God. Who are some, uh, who are oh, some co uh, comedians, Dave, that, that influenced you? Who are some of your like go-tos? Well, there's like the the comedians that I loved as a kid and and those people probably influence you more than anybody, you know what I mean? Cuz those are like like who you grow up on. Like I I grew up on The Simpsons and Seinfeld and South yeah. Park and all all that shit that any kid from the 90s would have grown up on. So all of those, yeah. you know, that that all influences me and I loved like Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle and and you know like all the great, you know, I, I love Pryor and, and George Carlin to me are the greatest ever. No one could ever top those two. Um, but like personally, it very much uh, Dave Attell, Patrice uh, O'Neill, yeah, nice. um, nice. uh, Greg Giraldo. Uh, I was lucky enough to like meet all of them and really wow. get to like watch them live a lot and, and learn from them. And, uh, t and, and, you know, Bill Burr, I think is the greatest uh, oh, yeah, living comedian. Yeah. So all, all those guys. Yeah. Jared, uh, Jared, you could tell the story, but, uh, well, I mean, got a yeah, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, well, I mean, we, me and Alex uh, saw Dave, uh, Dave Attell, like, I guess it was like last year, actually. Yeah, it was McGooby's. Yeah, McGooby's Joke House in uh, Timonium, Maryland. A, a storage to, unit. We got to briefly meet him and take an awkward picture with him. So. Yeah, everything everything with Dave Attell is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sitting there like this. Like. <laughs> but it was, he was, he was cool. It was, it was fucking hilarious, man. I was dying laughing the whole fucking time. Yeah, he's he's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever uh, get in a? Did you ever meet uh, Joey Diaz? You good friends with him? Yeah, yeah. I did a uh, I I did a show with Joey Diaz at the Comedy Store in L.A. last year, and like I think I've met him like a, a couple different times. But uh, yeah, love that dude. Yeah, so genuine. I met him a couple times when he came came through Baltimore twice. And uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, come here, motherfucker. Let's get a picture. You know, he's just like <laughs> so genuine. He's just like, hey, you want a picture? Come on. Have you seen but, those uh, Instagram ads he's been doing where he's like, uh, he's like promoting like awareness of like ball cancer? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Dude, it's so fucking funny, man. <laughs> it's so funny. You got to look it up. I can't do it justice. <laughs> oh, man. Um so so do you think at, at this point your um i guess your activism has kind of like do you think you're putting more effort towards that than you are your comedy i mean because you're, you're like kind of doing these these two things no it's like they're 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 like co-equal parts of of my career like i i and i don't really even i don't i wouldn't call it activism i mean i i guess you could label it that but i just what i love to do is I love stand-up comedy and I love ranting about politics and philosophy and shit like that. And so I just kind of built a career where I do those two things. But stand-up comedy is always like that's that's my first love. And and I just there, there's nothing I enjoy more than it. I love I, I was really excited and I was really happy about uh, how my hour was coming. Uh, you know, I'm trying to put out a new hour special and uh, I, I was going out on the road and and like was really happy about how it was going and you know i don't know if you've heard but there's been a bit of a shutdown uh <laughs> nationwide um but when? so that's kind of you know now i got to refigure all that out but uh but no i mean i i i love both and i don't really feel like one is more important than the other or anything like that it's just it's it's the two parts of my career yeah, my wife was actually just telling me earlier. She read that uh, concerts aren't going to start back up till the fall of 2021. Yeah, I mean, who the hell knows, man? But that's like yeah. that might be concerts on like a huge level, like you know, like 10,000 seaters or something like that. I don't know when. Like you know, I'm I'm 
I'm doing rooms of like 300 people or something like that. So maybe that'll start a little sooner, but I don't know. I really don't know how this whole thing's gonna, gonna shake out and will people be comfortable coming out right. and being in an enclosed environment with other people right next to them. You know, we're all going to have to see the psychological effect that this has on the country. It's, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to find out. Do you see yourself staying in New York city? You know, I, I think even before this, I ultimately saw myself getting out of New York City. Like I just I, I want to raise my daughter in like a house with a yard. And, you know, I, I don't really I didn't really want to raise my daughter in New York City anyway. So this might speed that up a little bit. But ultimately, I, I see myself going somewhere not too far from New York City, but probably buying a house outside the city. Cool. Um Kind of circling back to what we were talking about with like trying to reach the left, um, the news just came out that uh, Bernie has endorsed Biden, and uh, this has rightfully pissed off a lot of uh, his supporters. I have a I have a good friend who was basically just like I'm done with Bernie, fuck Bernie. Um, but I'm wondering if you know, do you think there? So do you think this is an opening for us to reach out to those those kind of sort of disenfranchised, disillusioned? Um, Bernie, Bernie Bros. Bros. <laughs> yeah, sure. I absolutely. And I think that libertarians should do their best to not use this moment to like dunk on right. the Bernie Bros, but rather, yeah. you know, dunk on Bernie if you yeah. want to, sure. but reach out to them because look, you got to think that there's there's a real opening where you can look at the the true principled progressives, the or leftists, you know, and say Look, man, this the Democratic Party is something you just can't support anymore. I mean, look at what they did to Bernie Sanders. It's it's disgusting. Look at what they did to Tulsi Gabbard. That's right. really disgusting. Yeah. Now, both of them ended up selling out in the end and endorsing Joe Biden. But if you leave that aside and just focus on their supporters, I mean, you can say, look, man, like the one anti-war candidate that they had was somebody who served in these wars that Hillary yeah. Clinton lied America into. And then Hillary Clinton's going to turn around and call her a Russian asset because she dares to question whether the war that Hillary Clinton even apologized for voting for, what, like whether we should fight any more of them. And you're going to go, listen, you can just say, look, we may disagree on a lot of issues, but you need to send a message to the Democratic Party that you will not support them anymore. And hey, if you come over here and support libertarians, we may not agree on everything, but it'll send a strong message. And you can even say that, look, we're not going to win anyway, but it'll send a strong <laughs> message to the Democrats that war and civil liberties and the war on drugs and all of these things, these are non-negotiables. You have to be good on these issues and we're willing to go over here with these guys. You know, there's an opening there to, yeah. to pitch something to them, but obviously for a lot of Bernie supporters, they're going to have this kind of moment where, look, what the Bernie's whole um, message it just doesn't make sense. The, the idea that you would say we the, the establishment is so bad that we need a revolution. That's what Bernie Sanders says. The establishment is so bad that we need a political revolution. But the establishment isn't so bad that I can ever criticize their candidates or that I won't endorse their candidates. Now, you tell me how that makes sense. Right. You, you tell me how you can say we need a political revolution, but I'll also endorse the, the status quo. That's what they're dealing with. Right. And some of them are justifying it by saying, you know, it's either that or, or it's either that or Trump, you know, but, um, you know, they just they, they don't see that it's two sides of the same coin, really. Right. And that the, and and even if it's not two sides of the same coin, which I agree with you, I think it is. But even if it's not, even if one is the lesser of two evils, mm -hmm. don't you see, uh, you know, and, and I know you guys, I'm sure all see this. But <laughs> at, at a certain point you go, but that that lesser of evil mentality is a guarantee that nothing ever changes because that's just what they use every single time, every single time. It's like, well, we have to support this shitty candidate or this shittier candidate won't, you know, will we'll end up getting in. Yeah, but like eventually you got to take a stand. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Shit. So um, you actually you actually kind of just came around to like the Libertarian Party uh, pretty recently, right? With the Mises caucus. 
Yeah, like I mean, I I actually came around. I I joined like I don't know what was it like a year and a half ago or something like that. But I I got more active when Jacob Hornberger started running and actually like jumped in like okay I'm supporting this guy and uh, so so but I was I was here for a little while before then I I started when was it I guess right around the time once when Tom Woods joined I was like okay if Tom's joining I'll join too. Um, with hopes that we would find a good presidential candidate. And then I got real enthusiastic for uh, for Jacob Hornberger. So have you ever tried to talk Tom Woods into running for president? Oh, <laughs> very, very, I mean, with every fiber of my being. I can't even explain to you. I mean, I'm saying with like, like I... It, You've offered with, him things. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've made the most... Uh, impassioned plea that I could possibly make to Tom to the point that I was like, I think I'm risking my friendship with Tom for how hard I'm pushing him into this. Like, yeah. like uh, the, to the point that I had a voice in my head going, dude, you're making this pretty weird right now. Um, but I mean, I'm talking about like, I had, a, I had a few drinks in me and we were on the Contra cruise and I was like, dude, you have to do this. You can save the world. You're a Christian. And I know you're a good man, Tom Woods. I mean, I, I gave it everything I had to the point where I was like, I, I have to stop or Tom may never take my phone calls again. So I, you know, he he didn't want to do it. And I understand, look, dude, I got one daughter. And one daughter is like a full time, you know, job like there's there's so much like that goes into focusing on raising your, your daughter the right way. He's got five. So I understand, you know, Tom's got Tom's like, listen, I got a lot going on. He's got a lot um, on his plate. But yes, I to say I tried would be an understatement. That's great. To well, know. That's good. At least someone is <laughs> me. Scott Horton did as well. We both we nice. were tag teaming him. Hell yeah. Oh, no, wait, hold on. Should we save this for the after hours? It's got a, oh, so, let's talk about this on the after hours. So we, we did have a sort of a related question from uh, from the fans. And uh, Kyle's asking, um, do you still think that Horn, Hornberger is the, uh, the best candidate uh, currently to represent the Libertarian Party? Um, like, is he the best candidate in that's the running. universe that's, that's running? running? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think he's he's probably the best guy. And it's not like there's some other people that I like, you know, like I, I, um, I just think he is the best, the, the best of the group to be the one to represent the message. And it's nothing against, um, you know, Adam Kokesh or like some of these other guys. It's, I, I guess, nothing against uh, the boot hat guy, but I just don't think that's the best way. <laughs> To represent libertarianism to the general public, yeah. and I think, and and I like uh, Joe Jorgensen. I think she's she's cool and like has some like uh, you know everybody's got like some good qualities about them. But I think he's the most serious person who's been at this for for decades, who knows what he's talking about, who's really been writing a column every day, who's really you know like knows what's going on in foreign policy and domestic policy, and is you know I think it's important that we're represented by a serious person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, I think he's the best principled person out there. And I, I just don't understand people get caught up on this thing like, well, he's boring. He's boring. I, I just I don't understand this. Like, I, you know, he okay, came out I to mean, the uh, Libertarian Party of Maryland. And it's up, Matt. Okay, no, I'm saying, dude, like, I would go with Hornberger. Like, I think he is, I agree with Dave. Like, I've said the same thing for a while. He is the best that we have who's trying to be the presidential candidate right now. But at the same time, I do call him Jacob Yonberger. Well, look, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I don't, it, it's like, especially sometimes in our libertarian world, when you're dealing with, you know, fat guys stripping on stage and shit like that. And like, the it's like, oh yeah, he, he might come off a little bit square and a little bit boring, but you know, I'll tell you, if, if it was an LP primary, you absolutely could have said the same thing about Ron Paul. You could have been like, yeah, this guy's just a little bit boring and it's just a little bit low key. But when you actually get out into the general, which is what this is all about, and you're actually talking to the, the nation as a whole, hopefully, um, the, the message itself is so radical and so interesting that I think that isn't the worst thing. Like, I think it really worked in Ron Paul's favor 
that he was like a country doctor who's been married to the same woman for 50 plus years and has a whole bunch of kids and is very like, you know, traditional and conservative, but has these radical ideas. Like, I think that dynamic works well. So I, I get your point, but I, I think that just the message that Jacob Hornberger has will be enough to make it like, oh, that guy's interesting. No, yeah, that's, um, that's why that's I, my would, I would pick him. I would pick him out of everybody that's, that's running. I would definitely pick him. Um, yeah, there's just he's really miles ahead of everybody. Um, for me, like my number two pick would be Arvin Vora, who I love more. I don't think he's boring at all. I think he's a great speaker. My only complaint about Arv- Arvin Vora is he picks some stupid hills to die on, in my opinion. I don't I don't know uh, enough about him. So what were the hills that he picked to die on? Like uh, specifically, age of, like age of consent. Oh come on, man! Yeah, just like come on. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> at, at, the, at the same at the same time, though, it's a conversation that needs to be had. When you when you've got guys that are getting busted for child pornography because they're 18 years old and they have a dick pic in their phone of their own penis penis when they were 17. You know, you, you need to have a discussion about age of consent. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with you that that guy shouldn't go to jail for raping himself. OK, that is that does seem <laughs> a little bit a little messed up. Um, but what this is the thing that libertarians like really, really struggle with is that you um, you have to think about optics and messaging and you have to think about yeah. not playing into what the worst preconceived notion about libertarians are. And if you are leading with age of consent, what do you think that's going to sound right. like to Joe Sixpack? Like what now you're right about that case with the guy who has a dick pic of himself a year ago or even, you know, naked pictures of his girlfriend from a couple of years ago or something, you know, like, yes, there, there is a discussion that needs to be had there. But we're living in a crumbling empire where we're at, in the longest wars in American history. We're about to have it might be a three trillion dollar deficit this year. After all of this, Americans have been put out of work by the tens of millions. And in that moment, the federal government is robbing them blind to, to give handouts to the big banks. So if you if you die on the hill of age of consent laws, you might be missing the moment. You know what yeah. I mean? No, it's very, very true. Very true. Yeah. You know, and that's why I wouldn't pick him over Jacob Hornberger. Um, yeah, that's that's really the only reason. And, and Jacob's Jacob is an OG. I mean, he's been doing it. He's been putting in work. And I told Phil, and when I got to meet him again at the at the Maryland convention, um, he, you know, he's been in the game for so long. I mean, when my dad converted from the Republican Party in the early '90s, and was uh, a libertarian uh, involved in the Libertarian Party in in Reading, Pennsylvania. I mean, he would come all the way up from Virginia to speak in front of like, you know, 50, 100 some people multiple times. And that's when I first got to meet him. And I was like, you know, what, 30, what year are we in? 2020, 30 years ago. I mean, he's been he's been putting in the work and, you know, and he, he can sell the message of liberty so well. Yeah, but I agree. Exactly. Like he's he's he knows it like and, and he his public speaking. I mean, he could just speak off the cuff of he's just he i know can... i know and that's the thing i wasn't i was impressed about like he his speech was so fiery at the convention right had, and i was know, ready to like, book I, right then I, and there it's, it's <laughs> right <laughs> i was ready to boogaloo the table and start going at it right <laughs> right yeah exactly and But yeah, his he's people. I I understand people like to hear his little southern twang, and they you know I guess that rubs people the wrong way. But I, I just if you listen to any of his speeches and stuff, it's very he's very fiery. I I just think it's it's almost like it's people make that accusation of him intentionally, and it, it exacerbates it, so it just becomes a caricature of who he is. And yeah. I, I mean, as like I'm I'm the Maryland coordinator for the Mises Caucus, and uh, I know when I first heard, I heard Adam before, you know, they endorsed him and I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, he, you know, he's on Tom Woods show saying, you know, the title, what, like abolish the CIA as a minarchist. You know what I mean? He's saying abolish the CIA. Like how much more, how much more can you ask for? You know, I, I just think he's, he's as best as Ron Paul, you know, was, and I don't understand why. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm torn between. I think it's it's something along the lines of like where people are just trying to make it sound like he's so boring. So there, everyone just like, yeah, I guess he is. I, mean, I don't know. I, that's just sort of my conspiracy. 
But you well, also it, have like, to look, man. Like I'm a fucking radical ancap. Like I'm, I'm, I'm as anarchist as as you can be. But you you have to have, and maybe this is partly because I don't like I I don't exist in a libertarian space. I exist in a comedy world. Like that's where I, what I go to every day. And I, I live in New York City, and you know I'm I'm kind of in. Uh, the world outside of the libertarian space like i don't live in you know new hampshire surrounded by libertarians every day or something like that um where i understand that like look i'm i'm like i said i'm a fucking anarchist but i i think people need to understand if adam kokesh comes up in his messages i want to dissolve the federal government in 2020 to most people that sounds batshit insane like what what are you talking about? You right. want to get rid of America? There, there's no possible way that that could win on a ballot. Like, there's no way. But if someone says, I want to enforce the Constitution of the United States of America, that could be appealing to a lot of people. And that's just, you, you have to have, like, I, it's easy when you're in the libertarian space to go, well, this guy's purer, or this guy's more exciting. But you, you want to think about who can actually deliver the message in a way that might move some people over here. And by the way, how many people, I don't know if all you guys are anarchists or minarchists or what, but how many people were anarchists right off the bat? Didn't almost everyone go through a journey yeah. to get to that place? And Absolutely. like, you can't expect, you, you know, I, I never talk to anybody. Like if I'm talking to, to Rogan or like Ari Shafir or like any of the people who are just like kind of in a different space than that. And I'm trying to present libertarianism. I never go in with the idea that I'm going to convert you to anarchy by the end of this conversation because that's <laughs> right. ridiculous yeah. it took me three years of reading obsessively so i don't think i'm going to do that to you but i could at least like kind of give you a little itch that you want to scratch right. about like oh yeah maybe there is something to the state being evil and liberty being the way to go and then you got to take it from there so we got to be like like realistic about what could actually make an impact you know Dude, yeah that's we, we, we got to be a just really a good tip. point dave uh, that's, yes. that's really <laughs> just a t that's a really good point, Dave. Did you get into Ron Paul in like 08 or 2012? I, I got into him in 07 from the, okay. the Ron Paul Giuliani moment. So it was in the oh, campaign. Right. But it took me it wasn't till I mean, I think the 2010, maybe even 2011. I can't remember till I went full ANCAP. And I was okay. I was reading Rothbard and Tom Woods and all that, like right. all those guys. And it still took me a while to just go re like, am I really I've an had, anarchist? I, I had a, a very similar just like what you're talking about. I had a, a really good friend that I, we went to Pork Fest and he he came into the Ron Paul movement in 07, 08. And we did the campaign for liberty and we, we organized meetings and then he went off the grid. He went ANCAP, But then he was like kind of shitting on my 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 another good friend who was getting involved in the grassroots in 2012 in the Baltimore area. And they were debating at length. He was like, why are you wasting your time? And it's like, dude, are you serious? Like you were introduced to libertarian, you were introduced to this philosophy from Ron Paul, but you're going to shit on someone who's just starting to go through that journey. And just like you said, yeah. you can't convert people within the first, like, no, like you got to give them little nuggets and let them like, you know, choose that no. path and go down the road. Absolutely. And n not only that, right. So like you have to like treat people. I, I hate that quality. I see that in ANCAPs a yeah, lot. That they quality where they like, yeah, they, like, yeah. oh, I'm in, like, I'm so superior. Like, you, yeah, you. you feel superior to someone who's where you were six months ago. Exactly. And you're like, exactly. okay, so fucking have a little bit of like empathy for like, I, right. I mean, you were just there. And on top of that, it's like, look, the, only like, only if you're really involved in a fucking, completely abstract intellectual circle jerk do you really think <laughs> minarchy versus anarchy is the question of our time like right. what i mean we're living under the biggest most powerful state in the history of the world and you're gonna sit here and talk about whether we should go ten thousand miles in this direction or ten thousand and one miles in this direction is the big look rothbard nailed this shit fucking decades ago it's do you hate the state the only yeah, question exactly. that matters. That's the only question that matters. Do you hate the state? If the answer is yes, you're on our team. If the answer is no, you're not. So, and that's it.
so in that in that case are you are you a fan of this whole bottom unity concept uh what I'm, you, I'm are not you familiar, familiar with this okay so there's no. this movement by uh certain elements of the uh i guess the lp um the more sort of you know and what and com and socialist whatever Oh, uh, I don't follow those twelve the people. <laughs> the loser brigade. Well, there's 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 at least a concept that we ought to unite as uh, and caps and and comms since we both hate the state, and we have that sort of uh, property in common. Do you? What do you think about that in regards to what you just what you just said? Well, I mean, uh, I I could see where the and comms in the Libertarian Party would want to take all 22 of them and unite with the other 50,000, you know, non and comms. <laughs> right. And dude, do it, something. it sounds like they just gained 10 people, dude. I don't know. Uh, listen, I <laughs> right. Look, I would not I'm not necessarily opposed to that. Like, yeah. I'm OK with to some degree aligning with, like I said, Jimmy Dore, because right. I think he so. hates the state. Like I, I go on Jimmy Dore's show and I go, you understand, Jimmy, that we are ruled by sociopathic blood soaked monsters. And he's like clapping his hands and like yes absolutely so i'm like okay so to that degree he does hate the state as well maybe not every aspect of it that that we at least he at least hates like the current incarnation of the state yes exactly so there's some room for an alliance there but you know it does become a little bit different if you're talking about within what you consider libertarianism to to be aligned with people like like i would i would think that like if you're an anarcho-communist um, or an anarcho-socialist or fucking, I don't know what the difference between those two is, but if you have any type of like anti-private property views, then I, I, I'm I a little hesitant about considering you part of the liberty movement right. because, I, I mean, you at least want to have our people who see our philosophy. I mean, look, if you, uh, if you don't believe in private property, then you're, in my opinion, you're really not one of us. Mm-hmm. Now, it's fine. We might have some areas that we agree on and some that we don't. But I'll tell you, from my experience, and I, like I said, I didn't even know that term. I don't know a lot of these people. I, I see some of them tweet at me and stuff like that. And it's, I kind of get a chuckle out of it. But I don't really like I haven't followed any of them or listened to what they say. I from my limited, very limited experience, I've seen more uh, there's something more attractive to me about the jimmy doors of the world than there are about the libertarian socialists who are like obsessed with issues like you know it's like the the pronouns in bio group of people who are (laughs) obsessed with kind of like uh, like like social justicey identity politics type things those to me just aren't real issues that any serious person should be concerned with but hey if you were like a noam chomsky type like a, he calls himself a libertarian, you know, syndicalist or whatever, mm-hmm. and who's like, hey, I'm against the war, I'm against this and that. I'm, I'm fine with allying on on certain issues. Yeah, yeah. Chomsky actually got me into libertarianism, believe it or not. It was like I read a book, Chomsky, uh, Chomsky for Beginners, when I was like 16 years old. So this is like 1996. And prior to that, I was more of like a constitutional conservative. I didn't trust the government. I wanted a smaller government, you know, but then uh, but after reading his book, it just kind of it just like pointed out how like no matter who's elected, you know, you basically get the same thing. Uh, neither party really stray away from each other. You know, um, I, I didn't agree with Chomsky's uh, solutions, but I agreed with his diagnosis. Yeah. I, look, Chomsky, I, I would say no question about it. It is. Chomsky is like required reading like he is he has something to add you can benefit from reading Noam Chomsky and of course I I don't agree with his economics or you know certain aspects of it but man that guy is brilliant and really he really nails what he nails so I you know I'm not opposed to like any of these like alliances or learning from left libertarians or whatever you want to call you know Noam Chomsky I, I don't really know but I just think that a lot of the um, those types who I, I who I've interacted with in in the Libertarian Party seem to be like they just seem to suck. I don't know what else to say. They seem to be engaged in really childish um, uh, things that are not constructive, that are not like leading anywhere. But you know, if if they want to get in line and and support, you know, like libertarians, okay, sure. 
Fair enough. Fair I think enough. that's a good point to uh, re like uh, extend an olive olive branch to the Bernie Bros. Is just the fact that like I think probably all of us can agree like all right we agree with some of his assessments of things, but his solutions are batshit crazy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's kind of maybe a way to extend an olive branch now to the Bernie Bros. Is that? Um, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they do. But I, I, be... Listen, I try to do that with everybody. Yeah. I mean, like, and I try to, and this is ultimately, I think, what I've, you know, what what those uh, uh, people in in the Libertarian Party on the on the fringes who who don't like me have a problem with is that I'll also take that same approach with the alt right or the you know groipers or whatever group it is like i you you have to try to empathize with what people's concerns are and a lot of times it it really doesn't take that much work like you you uh, can just try yeah. for a second to think about it and go oh yeah no i understand what they're upset with now we may have a different conclusion or a different prescription of what can help this problem but i mean like take bernie sanders supporters for example right Okay, so I have a wife and a daughter. I pay, and this might be partly because I live in New York City, but I pay close to $20,000 a year for our healthcare premiums. Mm. I mean, it's that's wow. just the premiums. That doesn't Jesus. count the fucking deductibles, the co-pays. I pay this shit, it's, it's something like $1,700 a month I pay for our healthcare. It's not even really great healthcare. And then my wife like burned her hand last year and we had to go to the hospital for it. And we get hit with like a $2,200 bill when we're at the hospital. And you're like, mm. what the fuck am I paying for? Are you out of your mind? Like I'm already, this is insane. And then someone like Bernie Sanders comes along and goes, how about this? No premiums, no deductibles, no co-pays. Now, I understand why that's attractive to somebody. If, if I hadn't read, you know, the shit I've read on economics, I'd probably be right there with them. Like, mm -hmm. yes, that sounds pretty good. Pretty good for what? So it's not like it, it's now pretty, it's our job. Pretty good. Yes. Pretty now, good. It's, it's our pretty job good. to explain to people why those prices are so inflated right. to begin with. Right. Right. But, but it's not our job to say, I don't understand why a dirty commie like you would want universal health care. <laughs> like, of course, you can understand yeah. why. why so, so the step one for libertarians is to empathize with somebody who's upset about the problem. And just right. in the same vein, when I talk to like an alt writer or a fucking groiper or, you know, whoever, an America first guy or something like that. It's like, look, man, if you look at every, you know every movie and everyone in the media and everyone in Hollywood and they're all just kind of like the accepted punching bag is straight white men and that's just kind of you're just getting beat up and beat up in the culture over and over again and you, you know you're kind of and then everybody you go to college and you're eighty thousand dollars in debt and basically your whole college experience was people lecturing you about your white privilege and then you just see kind of like affirmative action policies and these other things and immigration coming in and they're like the demographics are changing and you're going to be the minority and guess what you're kind of hated in this country and then you start feeling like you know what this was my country like why am i so fucking hated all the time and blah, blah, you know, whatever it is, I can kind of empathize with why you might feel that way and go, hey, I, you know, it's like it, I just don't think it, there's anything unlibertarian or evil about starting with, hey, I get where you're coming from, but here's why the state is just going to make things worse and why the state is the greatest evil. And really, all of this, whether it's the Bernie healthcare system or it's fucking, you know what I mean, some some complaint from the dissident right, be like, the state is really the cause of all of these problems. And probably it would be much better and we could all peacefully coexist if it wasn't for the, this big government. And and like to me, that's always just been obviously the role for libertarians. Yeah. Hell sure. yeah. One hundred. Yeah, I think you know. I even have some friends that'll concede some of those points, but they'll just say like, "Well, it's going to take too long to get back to a free market, so we might as well just implement the government solution." To which I say, "Well, just be fucking patient." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <hopeful. laughs> I mean, that's that. That's there's something to that, but there's also it. It's like. There, there's also well, they're also uh, going to make it worse well right you know? it's like so so actually it, uh implementing a government solution that would help is just as unlikely right so sure might as they well go with the correct that, yeah. yeah we might as well go with the correct unlikely example exactly. or, yeah. or path 
Yeah, exactly. Cool. Do we have any uh Bergman, did you have any other other questions from the uh from the fans or Yeah, um I don't know. I, I didn't uh I didn't have the, the fan questions. I thought that was you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I thought that was me. Sorry. We'll we'll get it together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll get it together. One day. We'll get it we'll... today, but one day. <laughs> no, um I can tell you uh my buddy Damon Hudak, he was asking me he he wanted me to ask you if you have any COVID nineteen jokes. <laughs> no, I. Uh, no. Let me tell you something. I better I better figure some out pretty soon because yeah. it's going to be hard to jump back on a fucking stand up comedy club, uh, and and not have anything to say about this. But I'm I'm still working it out. Yeah. Well, hey Dave, uh, you've been wonderful. Th- th- really, uh, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you you like totally fucking rock, and. Uh, yeah, so we also we have T-shirts for sale at LibertarianCountry.com. We will not be doing an after-hours program tonight. Until next time, live free or die. That is shed. Drenching the flags on the tax bombs in red. Once it's by a few at the expense of the many. Soldiers and cards in a death machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For God, country, and democracy. You can put freedom and death point in a fine land. You support the troops that bring them home. I believe the jokes will do the best for you. And I believe that we. Have the power, have the power I hate the state And I know I'm a slave We can make the break Break the power, break the power Society of individuals Nothing more than not interference With natural rights With a virtuous person fully comprehends The non-aggression principle The violence of the state becomes Absolutely!